So we're finishing up a series today called Trying to Manage. Uh, my name is John. I'm the pastor here if I haven't had a chance to meet you yet. But we've been in this series talking about how to manage all of these resources that we have at our disposal. So we kicked off the series. If you remember, if you were here with us, we talked about the manager's mindset. That we need to recognize that God owns everything and we're just managing it. And so we want to be as faithful as we can possibly be with it. And then through the series, we've talked about a lot of different stuff that we can manage, like money and time and relationships. And last week we talked about our bodies. But something struck me as I was going through this series, and I had a message all planned to do today, as a matter of fact. I was going to talk about how we manage the earth, how we manage creation, uh, which I thought would be really interesting. But something struck me as I was getting ready for the message this week, that the problem is that even if we manage all of those things really well, even if we have a great plan for our finances and a great plan for our time and a great plan for our relationship and a great plan for our bodies, it doesn't always work. Like, the problem is stuff breaks, right? We get sick. We get injured. People leave. You know, we lose our jobs, our company gets bought out by another company. There are things that happen that are completely outside of our control. And the question is, what do we do then? There, there are some times in life, and I was just thinking about my own story and, and when this has happened with me, there's some times in life where you're just trying to manage. <laughs> it's not about managing this thing or that thing. I'm just trying to get by. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just, I'm trying to stay upright. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get my feet out of bed to hit the floor in the morning just to get going for the day because of everything that's happening. And I get it. Some of you are there right now. And some of you have been there. And I've been there, so I know how that feels. And so in those times when everything feels like it's chaos circling, swarming around us, you're like, I'm not even thinking about how to manage my money right now or how to manage my time. I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to manage. What gets us through that? I was thinking back to a time for me where I lost a ton of stuff all at once. I lost my church. I lost my house. I lost my job, which means I lost my income. I lost... Uh, Friends that were close to me, all in what felt like a heartbeat. And I was left with, basically the only thing I had left was my health and my family. And thankfully I still had those two things. But I thought, how do I get through this? What got me through the day when I was waking up and I was dealing with depression and thinking, thinking I don't even want to get out of bed. Or I would lay on the couch and I would have days where I would just stare at the ceiling for an entire day and say, I don't even want to get up right now. What would get me up? What would get me through? What could possibly help me to manage? And it was through those seasons that I realized there was something I was supposed to manage that wasn't physical. The time, money, our bodies, our relate those are all physical things, right? There was something I had to manage that wasn't physical. I had to realize that the challenges that were coming at me were more than physical. And so I want to read to you just for a moment from Ephesians chapter 6. There's something else at play. That's what I want to talk about today. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 says, For we do not wrestle... Grab that word wrestle. Like maybe you highlight that word or underline that word. Anybody ever feel like they're wrestling? Like I'm just grappling with life. I feel like I'm trying to, I'm just trying to take this situation. I'm just trying to take this relation. I'm trying to this thing and just, I feel like I'm just locked arms with it and trying to pin it. And it keeps flipping me. It keeps reversing on me. And there's nothing that I can do. You feel like you're wrestling with something. And, and I got a heads up for you. You may think that it's physical, but it's not. It's not. Look at what um, Paul says here. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness. So you think about the, 
the, the darkness that you're in, there's a power that's ruling over that darkness. And he says, that's what you're actually wrestling with. It's, it's not natural. It's supernatural. It's not physical. It's spiritual. He said, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. And he says, therefore, he gives a solution. Okay, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day. I love that term, and I love that, that, that you would be able to withstand it, that you could just stay upright, stay on your feet, not get knocked down, not get blown over, not get bowled over, not get destroyed, but to stand and stay on your feet. And he says, and having done all to stand firm. There is something that you can manage that will help you stand firm no matter what darkness comes, no matter what challenge comes, no matter what attack comes. But I love the way he puts this. He says to put on the whole armor of God. And we're not going to talk about the whole armor of God today, but if you go to Ephesians 6, you can read about it and study it. He says to put on the armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. So what he's saying is, you need to put on the armor today, even though the evil day isn't today. You need to put on the armor today so that you're ready when the evil day comes. You need to prepare now so you're ready when the challenge comes later. I was, I was thinking about that, thinking about my friends who are firefighters. I got a bunch of friends that are, that are firefighters. Okay, a bunch, of, a bunch of them come here to the church. And, um, you know, one thing I know about firefighters is they stay in pretty good shape. Or try to, the best that they can, right? And I'm glad they do. Because when my house is on fire, and I'm laying in the room upstairs, passed out from smoke inhalation, that's not the time for you to get ready to carry me out. You know? If, if as a firefighter, if you don't stay in phys good physical condition, it's too late when you're actually trying to carry the person out. You've got to be in shape before you go in so that you're ready when the fire happens, when you need to use those muscles, they have to be ready. And so that's what he's saying here. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, a fight is coming, so make sure you're ready when it comes. Now, what we're actually going to spend time, we're going to really dig into today is, um, is part of a letter that Paul, the same guy, wrote to a young pastor that he was leading, Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 4. It's, if you're new to the Bible, it's there. That helps you <laughs> probably doesn't but um, most of you have the app on your phone which is awesome and you can just click on it it's really cool it makes it very simple but um, and uh, and like Jeremy was saying earlier if you have that app you can go down to click on more at the bottom and click on events and you'll be able to find our service you'll have all the scriptures and points there and you can take notes and email them to yourself and everything it's really cool all right so now that I've tread water and give you time to get there first Timothy chapter 4 uh, Paul is talking to his uh, young protege Timothy and he's giving him a warning here and telling him how to get ready for the fight that he sees coming for Timothy. All right, this is for Timothy chapter 4, and we're starting verse 7. He says, Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Now, catch that terminology, train yourself for godliness. Um, what's happening here is that, that there's a bunch of people that are around Timothy, like other, other pastors and, and teachers and people that are trying to get him distracted on ancillary issues, things that don't really matter, like debates and, and conversations about ge genealogies and all this kind of stuff. And they're trying to get him all wrapped up in that. 
And what Paul is saying is you, you, need to, you need to filter out the noise, okay? And rather train yourself for godliness. Focus on what's most important. He says train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. So all the physical things that we can do, even the physical things that we can manage, managing our time well or managing our money well or managing our body well, they're fine and they have great value as we've talked about through this series. But ultimately there's something more important that we need to train. And that's training ourselves for godliness. Because it holds promise for the present life, yes, and also for the life to come. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Here's what I want to talk about today. We talked about managing finances and time and calendars and our body and relationships and all this stuff. Today I want to talk about how we manage our faith. How we manage our faith. Now that may sound a little like mechanical, like managing your faith. Don't you just have it or don't have it or not? No, it's something that we manage. It's something that we care for. It's something that we cultivate. It's something that we grow. It's something that we protect. So I want to talk about how to manage your faith today. And the thing is that if I manage my faith now, I'll be ready to manage the fight later. You might be going through a fight right now, and you've got you've to learn on the fly. You've got to train on the fly right now. But even if you're not in a fight right now, even if you're not in a battle right now, one is coming, and it's better to start training now so that you're prepared when it comes. Does that make sense? Okay. So we're going to talk about how to manage our faith now so we're ready for the fight later. So here are three things, how to manage your faith. And we're going to walk right through 1 Timothy 4 in order to find these. So the first one, let's read verse 10. For to this end we toil and strive, because we have set our hope on the living God. Grab that terminology right there. Set our hope on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially of those who believe. So here's the first thing. If you want to manage your faith, how to manage your faith, the first thing is to place your faith in the right person. Place your faith in the right person. Now, faith is not a, it's not a complex thing. It's a very simple thing, in fact. The, the definition, Webster's Def Dictionary defines it as complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So faith is just having confidence in someone or something. And um, Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, agrees with that. It's not surprising since you know, Webster was a Christian. So he, uh, the definition in Hebrews, which came before our English dictionary, says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. So it's confidence in what's coming. It's confidence in someone or something. And the thing is, all of us live by faith. It's just a matter of what we choose to put our faith in. So you live by faith and I live by faith. You don't have to be a Christian to live by faith. Everyone does. You've got faith in something. You, Every single one of you had faith in that chair. You realize that? When you sat down in that chair, you had confidence that chair was going to hold you. You had faith in that chair. And I'll tell you, all it takes is a chair breaking on you once, Right? <laughs> First of all, it's a little embarrassing. It's happened to me. But uh, but you lose faith in the chair pretty quick. And then every time you sit down, you're like, I'm not really sure. Like, he's into this, right? Your faith has been shaken. Your confidence has been shaken. Any of you that drove in the car today, in a car today, you live by faith. You had faith that when you turned that key, the car was going to start. You had faith that when you pressed that pedal, the brakes were going to engage. We all live by faith. It's a matter of what we put our faith in. And if we're not careful, we'll put our faith in the wrong things. So we'll put our faith in money. We're trusting in that to take care of us. We'll put our faith in our bodies. 
We'll put, we'll put our faith in our intellectual ability. We'll put our faith in our abilities. We'll put our faith in our career. More often than not, we put faith in other people. Right? Or we put faith in ourselves. And the problem, like we've already said with those things, is that they all break. They all fail. They all die at some point. They all pass through or pass on or pass away some way or another. And so they're not good things to put our faith into. Right? I mean, functionally, we, have, we still have to put faith in a chair. I get that. But, uh, but when we think about our life and where our real central core faith is placed, to put faith in God is to place it where it cannot be betrayed. God is incapable, in his very nature, is incapable of letting you down. And so if there's anywhere that you're going to put faith, that's it. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus told the story of two guys who built houses. And the whole story is controlled. The, the same thing happens to both of them. They, they both build a house on a foundation. Then both of them experience a tremendous storm, which comes and the wind beats and the, and the waves come and the rain comes down and, and beat against the house. One house falls and the other one stands. The only difference between the two is the foundation that they built their house on. Faith is the foundation that we can build our life on. That's a rock. It's not going to waver. So no matter, even if I lose my job, even if I lose my friends, even if I lose my family, even if I lose my health, my faith is still there, still grounding me. When we started this series, we, we told you the story Jesus told where a man is very wealthy and he, he's going away for a while, so he hands his wealth to three managers and he, he trusts them to manage it while he's gone. And when he comes back, two of them have been faithful with it and earned a return. And one of them was unfaithful and he buried it in the ground. That terminology, that, that language is very, very important. What does it mean to be faithful? It means to operate with faith. So the first two men, they had faith that their hard work was going to be rewarded by the master. And that the third one did not have faith. He was afraid of what the master might do to him. So what we're talking about is living a faithful life. A life that's based on God. So we need to play, place our faith in the right person now. Why can we have confidence in God, though? I mean, I'm standing here telling you that, that we should have put our faith in God instead of putting it in our spouse or instead of putting it in our boss or instead of putting it in our bank account or instead of putting it in ourselves. You, you might say, the only person I can trust is me. So why would I have faith in God over myself? God has proved his love for us. What did Paul say? He said, we've set our hope on a living God who is the Savior of all people. We put our faith in God because God... First of all, is the creator of everything, of course. But he's proved himself faithful by loving us and sending his son. And Jesus Christ lived on earth. He lived without sin and offered his life on the cross for us. To pay the penalty for sin that we're supposed to pay so we can be forgiven. Jesus took our punishment for us. And where our real confidence comes from is that he was put into a tomb and three days later God raised him back to life. And then he was here for 40 days. He ascended to heaven, sends us the Holy Spirit as confirmation. We believe, we know, we know God is who he says he is. We know that he loves us. We know that he cares for us. We know that he's forgiven us because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And so when we know that and see that, we can live our entire life based on it. We can have confidence through our entire life. But we have to put our faith in the right person. And I get for some people, faith is instant. 
and big. And for others, it's a slow build over time. But for all of us, faith has to be managed. It has to be taken care of and cultivated. So place your faith in the right person. Let's keep reading. Verse 11. He tells Timothy, command and teach these things. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example. Now, what I want you to notice here quickly is that what Paul is saying to Timothy is, Timothy, a challenge is coming to you. He's anticipating what's going to be coming to Timothy. A fight is coming. You need to get ready now because a fight is coming. Because Timothy, people are going to come to you and they're going to go, Timothy, who do you think you are? You know, Paul. You're just, you're just, you're Timothy, man. You're young. What do you know? You, you can't possibly know your stuff. Timothy, let me tell you how it is. Timothy, let's talk about this. They're going to try to get you distracted. They're going to try to, they're going to, try to break you down. They're going to try to make you feel like you're worthless or valueless because you're young. He said, Timothy, a fight's coming to you, and you better be ready. She's commanded to teach these things and set an example, he said, in speech and conduct and love and faith and purity. And he says this, until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. Timothy, he's saying, focus on the right things. You've got to be focused on the right things. And so your faith has to be in the right person. And second, we need to feed our faith with the right things. We need to feed our faith with the right things. So a couple weeks ago, a, uh, uh, a guy came to our house to pressure wash it. We got vinyl siding. And um, it was, the siding was, it's kind of grimy, you know? Like gross, and our our roof is kind of gross because it has the that stuff that grows on it, the is it lichen or mold or something that grows on it. Lichen is that what it is? Yeah. So uh, it has the lichen, so it's got like these black streaks in it, and our driveway was gross, and and so I was like, this is this is this is this is nasty. So we need to do something about this. So I got a uh, a pressure wash guy to come over, and I said, just do the whole thing. Just everything you see. If you pressure wash the grass, I'm not going to complain. You just just clean the whole thing out. So he's like, all right. He, he got at it. Did a fantastic job, I'll add. But he got um, he got about halfway done. I think he finished with the siding on the house, basically. Siding, gutters, and that. And uh, and he came and knocked on the door. And he said, hey, I think I'm going to be done for the day. What do you mean you're done for the day? It was like 1 in the afternoon. It's like, hey, you're looking for an excuse to get off and go play golf or something. I don't know what's happening thought this was going to be done today. But then he said, no, no, he's like, I didn't say that to him. I just thought it. Um, I, I just smiled. Oh, okay. <laughs> but he uh, proceeded to explain. He said, he said, you're on a well, aren't you? I said, yeah. Okay. He said, I noticed that the pressure is dropping in my machine, and I think it's because I'm pulling water out of your well faster than your aquifer can replace it. Okay. So basically, pulling more water out of the well than our spring or our source of water it was able to replace it. And he said, if I keep going, I can keep going, but if I keep going, I'm going to dry up your well. Then you're not, you guys aren't going to have water. So he said, I'm just going to take a break for the day and let it replenish, and then I'll be back tomorrow and I'll do the rest of it. And I thought, well, that's pretty nice. You go play golf if you want to. <laughs> but I instantly thought, man, isn't faith like that, though? Faith isn't like something that we just store up and it sits in a bank account somewhere. It's something we use. Right? It's, it's something that 
If we don't replenish our faith, if we don't feed our faith, then we get into a difficult situation and it starts bleeding us dry. And so we end up dry like a well, and then we give up, and then we give in, and then we can't take it anymore. So what we need to do is constantly be feeding and building our faith. Constantly be feeding it with the right things. Just like our body needs nutrition, you can't eat one meal, get full, and then quit for the rest of your life. You have to keep eating because it keeps getting used. And that's what happens with faith. So where does faith come from? Paul, again, when he's writing to the Romans, he said faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. We feed our faith with the things of Christ. So let me just ask you this question. What are you spiritually consuming? What are you spiritually consuming? You are what you eat. What are you spiritually consuming? This is the reason that one of our core values at Carolina Family Church is hungry. You see that on the banners out there? That we're hungry. That we're passionate. That we're that we're 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 consuming. We're intaking. We're building up. We're grabbing everything we possibly can to help feed and build our faith so that we're ready when the fight comes. I want to give you I want to give you three ways to feed your faith. The first way is to have a regular probably daily quiet time with God where you are reading the scripture every day. The times in my life where I've all of a sudden felt dry, you know the thing is interesting, uh, Jeremy was talking about that during the music when he was sharing his testimony. Just feeling empty and feeling dry, it's because I, I haven't been reading. It's because I haven't been spending intentional time with God, consuming, ingesting, digesting his word, and praying and speaking to him. You need it every single day. Daily, you will run dry. To manage your faith well, you need to spend daily time. The second thing is to gather with your church regularly. And I mean like every week, not, not like once a month. It just doesn't cut it. I don't know. You know, Jess and I went through a period of time where we didn't have a, a church to attend, so, so to speak, on the weekend. We were in the process of planting a church. We were in a brand new area. And uh, we were just kind of going to other churches here and there to check them out. And it's incredible how, how dry we felt, how disconnected we felt without a church family. So when I say uh, regularly gather with your church family, I don't just mean just come to church. That's a great start. But, but actually engage with your church family. Um, those of you um, that have served on our teams, or maybe you're off this week, or you get the opportunity to be in the service, we always gather up beforehand for a little like circle, a little powwow. We put our hands in the middle. We got a little cheer that we do. And um, I call it an incantation. But... Probably not the best word, but uh, but we get together for this little cheer, and we all put our hands in the middle, and that moment for me, above really any other that we have on the weekend, we've all got our hands in the middle, and we're agreeing on something together. That moment with the church is like fuel. It's like it's like energy. It's like power. It's it's like God recharging and refilling the well. So you need to be actively involved in the church. We'd love for that to be here if you want to be. Um, but it can be anywhere. Just find somewhere to plug in. And then make sure you're gathering regularly with the church to be filled up. And then the third thing would be to surround yourself with faithful people. Because when you're going through a challenge and you're struggling with how to be faithful, how to maintain your faith through it and make faithful decisions, you need people around you that have been through those things. And when you're going through a fight, don't ask someone whose faith is in something else. So when, you're, when, you, when you lose your job and you want to know how to be faithful in that, then don't go to your friend whose faith is in money for advice on how to get through it. 
Find somebody who's gone through that before and then faithful to God and kept their faith in God and ask them. So that's what we need. We need quiet time. We need gathering with the church and we need faithful people around us to feed our faith the right thing. And just like with your body, you need diet, right? But that's not going to do it. If you want to get in shape, you can't just have a healthy diet. You have to exercise too. And that's where Paul goes next. So let's keep reading. Verse 14. He says to Timothy, do not neglect the gift you have. A gift is teaching. That's the gift that uh, Timothy received. And he said, you need to be doing that regularly. Which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. Practice these things. He said, you know, you need to learn. You need to consume. You need to eat. You need to, you need to fuel up. But then you need to do. You need to practice. You need to be active. So he said, practice these things. Immerse yourself in them so that all may see your progress. So if the first thing is putting your faith in the right person, and the second thing is feeding your faith the right things, the third thing is to practice your faith at the right time. You've got to be active. You've got to stretch yourself. To, to live by faith, the you know, scripture says we walk by faith, not by sight. So to walk by faith or to live by faith is to do things that are uncomfortable for you so that you have no choice but to trust God. And I think one of the problems that we have in American Christianity, in the American church, is we've gotten so comfortable that we don't need faith anymore. I feel like the reason... So I talked to some people recently that went overseas, and when they went, they went to Africa, when they went to Africa, they saw things they couldn't explain. Miraculous things they could not explain. People who were healed in a moment, things that they just couldn't wrap their head around. They'd never seen anything like that. And they said, why, why do I see that there but I don't see that here. Why don't I see that in the United States of America? And I, my, my theory is we've gotten to the point where we've become so comfortable, we've become so safe that we just don't think we need faith anymore. That our faith is in the wrong person, perhaps, to begin with. Maybe we're feeding ourselves spiritual fast food and then we're not practicing. Our feet have never hit a treadmill when it comes to faith. Let's put it that way. And so if our faith is going to be strong, and I think, I think that's the reason that in America, when you, you, you decide to be a Christian, it can become so easy to be a Christian, and you don't have to use faith. And then the littlest, the littlest trial, the littlest thing comes along, and it takes away our faith, and people, people lose their faith over the smallest little things. And it's because we haven't trained ourselves. It's because we haven't practiced our faith. It's because we haven't acted on our faith. People in China have no choice but to live by faith because it's all they have. So we need to be very intentional because we're not going to change our culture or society on a massive scale necessarily. So we need to be intentional about finding ways to practice our faith now and practice it here. Otherwise, we end up. Anybody ever seen that movie Wally? Remember that movie Wally, where like the Earth was contaminated with something, and so all the humans are living like on a spaceship or another planet. I don't remember; it's vague, but. What I remember was that they had become so lazy that they just floated around in these chairs, you know, which I thought, oh, that was kind of cool. I don't know, <laughs> you know, that sounds like a good deal to me. But they just floated around in these chairs and listened and watched, like, TV all day long, and they'd gotten so overweight, their bones couldn't, uh, couldn't handle the weight of their bodies, they didn't even think they could walk anymore. They were like, walk? Can you do that? Is that something people do? And um, they had to learn. And I think that America's a lot like that, so we need to be aware of that so we can fight against it and find ways to practice our faith. Now, how do we practice? James said, um, this is the, the half-brother of Jesus, he said, someone's going to say, 
you have faith and I have works. They said, like, well, I, have, I know, James, you do a lot, but I have faith. And he said, I'll show you my faith by what I do. So it's our activity that, that is evidence of our faith. You think about um, a boxer. Let's say, let's say that I decided I was going to become a professional boxer. It's a bad idea. I know, you're, I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking it. It's a bad idea. Let's say I decide that I'm going to become a professional boxer. And so I go into a YouTube wormhole of boxing tutorial videos. Okay? Let's say that I spend eight hours, no matter, 16 hours, learning about boxing from YouTube, and then I step into the ring. How's that going to go? <laughs> I'm probably more out of shape just because I said I watched YouTube videos for 16 hours than when I started. So let's say, let's say, okay, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to watch the Muhammad Ali biography on Netflix. And I'll learn from the best about how to be a great boxer, and then I'm going to get into the ring. How's that going to go? Not too good. Yeah, not too good. Right? No, you know what I need to do before I get into the ring? I need to get into the ring. <laughs> You gotta get into the ring before you get into the ring. I got I gotta get in and I've gotta spar with some people that know what they're doing. Now sparring's a little different. I'm wearing headgear, I'm in a safer environment, right? I'm practicing rather than the real thing. But I'm a whole lot better if I practice with headgear before I get into a ring to fight without it. Right? We need to practice our faith. We need to put ourselves in position to get ready and to exercise those spiritual muscles. Now, how does that work? Okay. I know that's, that sounds pretty, um, what's the word, conceptual, right? That sounds pretty conceptual, but not very practical. How do I do it? Here's how you do it. Like, if you want to be ready for a financial fight that comes later, we need to practice our faith now by living on less, maybe giving until it's pretty uncomfortable to give, or saving until it's uncomfortable to save, to live on less and less and less so that we're ready when the fight comes. So, you know what somebody does when they're used to living on 100% of their income and they get a 10% pay cut at work? They lose it, right? You know what happens to someone when they're living, they've gotten used to living on 90% of their income and they get a 10% pay cut at work? Nothing. Because they're ready. They prepared for the fight that they anticipated coming. Practice your faith. So maybe you give more, maybe you save more. Maybe you, you set aside a time in your schedule just to be margin for you. Maybe one of the greatest challenges to our faith that come are conversations that we have with people. Whether we are sharing our faith with them, talking to them about what we believe, which most people are scared to death of, or engaging in a conversation where they're asking questions or challenging something that we believe. I bet, I bet those scenarios scare most of us to death. And you know why they scare us to death? Because we're not used to doing them. The more often we do them, the more used to doing them we are, the more ready we are when they happen. Um, ben, I was having uh, breakfast with a couple guys yesterday morning, and, and Ben Collins, who does production course, preached a couple weeks ago. He told me an amazing story. I was like, can I use that? He, um, he was up in West Virginia at one point, and someone came up to him, a young, like, you know, college-aged kid, I suppose. It was pretty obvious this kid was like, Maybe in camp for the summer and had a requirement to share his faith with one person before the week was over. That kind of deal. 
And they came up to him and they were like, oh, excuse me, sir. Do you have Jesus in your heart? <laughs> and he said, he said, well, yes, as a matter of fact, I do. And they were like, okay, thanks. <laughs> he, was like, he was like, no, no, wait, wait. He said, he said, wait. He said, just do it anyway. Just do it anyway. And I'll tell you what, I'll ask you some questions. Like, practice. Practice this. And so that's what he did. So he had this kid, like, do his whole spiel with him and then reacted to him and asked him questions and fired back. And, um, and finally the kid was, you know, done with, with whatever he had planned to say at that time. And, um, and then he was like, okay, thanks. And he started to walk away. <laughs> And I was like, no, no, don't you want to know what I decided? <laughs> and Ben was thinking, you know, I could give you some, some great feedback right now on, on how that was and whether I really felt like it connected to your heart, whether you were saying, you know, talking about the right things and whether you actually had a compelling argument. And just a great reminder, like, if you're really nervous about, you want to share faith with somebody at work, but you're really nervous about doing it, practice. Like, grab your spouse, grab your parents, grab your friend who's a Christian and say, hey, I want to, I want to get better at sharing my faith, so can I just practice on you? And they just do it and they get feedback from them. I mean, these we're building spiritual muscles and getting ready for that time. If you, let's say you're concerned that you've, you've got somebody at work who's been pressing you on a particular issue. You're a Christian, you have a certain belief, they don't believe it, and they've been challenging you, or they're pushing you, and you're just waiting for that conversation to come. And you're dreading when that conversation comes because you have no idea what you're going to say. Well, here's what you do. You practice. You get ready. You learn, you study that thing, you talk to some other people, you ask questions of yourself of them. You're just training, you're training and getting active. Maybe you'd go and serve somebody through a, through a local nonprofit, or maybe you would find a mission trip that you could be a part of to go overseas to train those muscles to prepare so that your faith is strong. You know what that does when we put our faith in the right person and we consume the right things, we feed our faith the right things, and when we practice our faith at the right times, it creates in us stability. It creates in us confidence. It creates in us hope that that transcends every situation that we come in contact with. I've, I've heard some people say um, that the opposite of faith is fear, and that fear and faith can't exist in the same place. I don't know if you've ever heard that actually disagree with that. There's, actually, there's several places in the scripture where we see fear and faith in exactly the same place. They actually seem to make pretty good partners. The opposite of faith is doubt. What doubt does is creates insecurity. But what faith does is create hope. It creates hope. There are challenges that are coming your way if they're not already, if they haven't already met you, they're coming. And what faith does is faith allows you to see past the problem. Faith allows you to see the bigger picture of what God is doing. Faith allows you to, to have an eternal perspective. So faith, faith allows me to know that, that my real wealth is not here on earth. That my real wealth is with God. Faith allows me to know that that. Time is eternal, so while time here is important, it's just a blip on the radar to what God has in place, God has stored for me. Faith reminds me that the most important relationship in my life is my relationship with God. And as long as I have a relationship with God, all the other relationships in my life are icing on the cake. So if they're good, great. And if they're not, we're okay. 
because ultimately my relationship is with God. Faith reminds me that my body is temporary, that I, but that I have a heavenly body, a spiritual body waiting for me, which will be raised incorruptible, unlike the one I have now. Faith allows me to see past the storm, so I'm on the right foundation. John put it this way. He said, everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And he's talking specifically about sin, sin and all the challenges. Everyone who's been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. That's the victory. It's our faith. So don't get crushed. Get hungry. Build your faith. Feed it. Practice it. If you manage your faith now, you'll be ready to manage the fight later. Paul finishes up this thought with Timothy in verse 16. Where he says, Keep a close watch on yourself and on the teaching. Persist in this. You hear that? You feel that? that there's like a there's like a there's like a grunt in that, you know, when you're it's it's like it's this deep persist, just mm, muscle that thing through. Alright? Persist in this. For by doing so, by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Persist. Persist in the gift God has given to you. Persist in consuming his word. Persist in putting your faith in God in all things. And it will save both you and your hearers. It will push you through that thing. And keep your focus where it's supposed to be. And I don't know some of you... Some of you maybe don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you believe that God has exist, or maybe you've, you've had a question about that. And you've gone through life, and you've just struggled. You've struggled at every turn. Things haven't worked out the way you wanted them to work out. Your relationships have fallen apart that you had tre placed tremendous value in. Your finances have never been what you expected them to do. Your career hasn't taken the path you thought it was going to take. And you feel like you're constantly frustrated. You feel like you're constantly losing instead of constantly winning. And what I want you to know is that the reason you feel that way is because there's something that's happening that's deeper than those things individually. That there is a spiritual battle and war that's being waged for your very soul. And your enemy wants to use those things to, to, to knock you off track and to distract you from what's most important. I'm telling you that the greatest hope and the greatest joy is found in faith through Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ's death on the cross in his resurrection, and you ask him for forgiveness, and you turn, you turn your life over to God, you, re, you repent and turn away of sin, and turn towards what God has planned for your life and what his desires are, it creates this rock-solid foundation under you that can't be explained in any other way than spiritual protection from your heavenly Father who loves you. And so if you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, today is the day to do that and say, I'm placing my faith today in the right person. The one who created me. The one who will never let me down. The one that will carry me through absolutely everything. If you've never made that decision, today is the day to make that decision. If you have made that decision before, it is so easy, I understand, for us to place our faith in other things. And to get sidetracked. And to get off the mark. And to start trusting in other things. It's, it, today, it's time to take your trust. Time to take your faith off of that thing, that person. And to put it back where it belongs. Faith in God until be faithful with what he's given us to manage here. You know, the fact that faith allows me to look past everything that I have here doesn't mean that I have the right to overlook what I have here. 
So what I do, just like we talked about in the series, is I take everything that God has given to me, and I manage it the best way I possibly can, because Jesus said, he who has been faithful with a little will be faithful with much. And I want to be faithful both in a little and in much. We need to base it in the right place. All right, so I know we've got decisions to make. We all get off track, and so we've all got decisions to make. So what I'll do is I'll pray right now, pray for you, pray with you, and if you've never made the decision to follow Christ and you want to make that decision today, I want to help walk you through that as well. All right, so let's pray. God, I just come to you right now with a humble heart and ask you to forgive my sins and pride and arrogance and the step that I've made. I ask that you forgive it. I pray that for each person in the room who's a believer. You have separated us from our sin. You do not hold us accountable to our sin eternally. Christ on the cross did that for us. So I ask right now, God, that you would just bring to light, bring to mind any sin in the room that needs to be forgiven, that we would wash that clean so that we can talk to you without any barrier between us and you. God, I pray for the person who's never made the decision to follow you, to accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. You love them. You love them so much. You may be sitting here with us right now. You love them so much. You gave your son. Jesus Christ, you love them so much, you gave your life. Took on the pain of their sin. Paid for it so they don't have to. And all they have to do is come to you in faith right now and say, I believe it. I believe it like I believe this chair would hold me up. I believe, Jesus, that you died for me. I believe that you rose again. I believe that you paid for my sin. I'm so sorry for that pain that I put on you. So forgive me. I don't want to do those things anymore. I turn away from sin and I turn towards you, God, today. God, for that person who's making the decision right now, I believe that you will forgive them in this moment based on their faith. Not on anything they've done, but based on their faith. You will forgive them. Right now, you will send the Holy Spirit to fill them, to fill their life. To confirm, to give us confidence and faith bring gifts and to bring wisdom and to bring insight into their life. I believe you'll fill them right now. And I pray for all of us, every one of us, and any of us who've made the decision to follow you. We want our faith, I believe this, and if this isn't the attitude of our heart and mind, then the question is whether we're really saved. We want our faith to be in you. We want our faith to be in you in every way. We want our faith to be in you when it comes to finances. We want our faith to be in you when it comes to our calendar. We want our faith to be in you when it comes to our relationship. We want our faith to be in you when it comes to our body. We want our faith to be in you in everything that we do, every resource that you give to us. And so, God, I pray that you would enlighten us and show us through the power of your spirit where we're missing it right now. Where we've gotten focused on the wrong things. Maybe we put our faith in something or someone it should not be in that will let us down. Help us to shift it back to you, not only so we can manage that thing better, but so that we are protected from the pain later. Help us to build our faith now, showing us how we need to feed it, how we need to practice it, how, do we, how we need to make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable to build up, to tear those muscle fibers so they can be built back stronger, so that we're ready when the fight God, I pray for every single person that's here that you would fill them with faith, fill them with your spirit, confidence in you. 
Now listen, if you um, made the decision to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, I would love to know that, because I want to help walk you through what's next for you, and what this means for you. And so you can either just come and talk to me, which would be great. After the service, I'll be hanging out down front. Um, or you can, if you're not quite comfortable talking to me yet, you can mark it on your program, on your connection card. There's a spot that you can mark you accepted Christ as your Savior, and we'll get in touch with you and let you know what's next. Uh, it's the best decision you could possibly make, and it will change everything, everything, everything in your life. Um, like Jeremy said earlier, if you haven't ever filled out one of those connection cards for us, I'd really appreciate that. It's really it's not for our benefit, it's for your benefit, so that we can uh, get information to you and make sure you know what's going on, so you can be an active part of Carolina Family Church. And if it's your first time with us, I'd love it if you fill that out. I've got a little gift I'd like to send to you just over email. Um, something our church does, we, we um, pay for a subscription to a thing called Right Now Media, which is um, thousands and thousands and thousands of videos. It's got a great kids section, but also amazing stuff for adults. Um, and uh, so we just want to offer you a free, uh, free subscription to that, too, if you fill out that connection card that I can make so that you're, you're hooked up with that. Um, and uh, we're just really thankful for you. We're going to start a brand new series next week. Um, we're going to talk about some of the, the building blocks of our faith. Um, we're going to call this, I think we're calling it summer school. That might change, but for now, we're going to call it summer school. And um, got some really special things that are happening. I just, I just want to share this with you because I'm super excited. Um, but the last week of that series, so in three weeks, we have a very special guest who's going to be coming to preach, my dad. Uh, which, like, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty stoked about that. So, <laughs> I mean, I've heard my dad preach, a, you know, a million times growing up, um, but he's never come to the church that I've been a part of and preached there. And so, I'm uh, pretty excited about that. You won't want to miss that. He brings a depth of knowledge and wisdom from years of ministry that uh, will just, it stunned me. So, the last time that I heard preach. So, um, anyways, that's going to be really cool. Great things are happening. Um, uh, if you're sticking around for Growth Track afterwards, we have the Connect class today. We are going to talk about um, how you get connected here at the church and what that means for you as a Christian. So, you can hang out for that if you like. We'll start in about 15 minutes back in the uh, media center, the library. So thank you so much for coming and worshiping with us today. So thankful you came. If you're planning to give, there, there are boxes where you can you can do that. And um, we'll see you guys again very, very soon, I hope. Yeah. Uh -huh.